Pastor Ed Taylor says, like Daniel, we need to be men and women who believe God's word and stand in purity. In these last days, a commitment to be men and women of the book is very important. I just want to learn with Daniel. We need to be men and women of a book, not books. We need to be men and women not of the popular voices of our day, the popular television shows of our day, the popular podcasts of our day. We're to be men and women of the book, letting it speak to us, that, that we're regularly allowing God's word to speak to us, that we're getting direction from his word, but also purity and holiness. It's a choice to be made. This is amazing grace. This is glad you could join us today for Abounding Grace as we embark on a brand new study in Daniel. In the coming weeks, we'll be going through each chapter and verse with Pastor Ed Taylor. Along the way, you'll notice Daniel was a man of purity and prophecy. As we introduce the study today, Pastor Ed will key in on the purity we find in Daniel that can serve to inspire us to live in purity as we wait for the Lord to return. Pastor Ed, before we listen to your introductory message in Daniel, I'll hand the mic over to you, and as you look at where we're at as a nation and world, wouldn't you agree that this book of Daniel is perfect for the season we're in? Larry, it is absolutely perfect timing that we just finished the book of Daniel here at Calvary Church, and we just finished the teaching in Romans on Abounding Grace, and we were able to put this study that's fresh and new and just from the pulpit here at Calvary on the radio for all of our listening audience around the world and around the country. We would have never been able to predict the time that we're in, and it is indeed an interesting time. And we are seeing things happen in our culture and our world that are unprecedented and have significant prophetic implications. Now, of course, Daniel's two parts First, we look at Daniel the man and his holiness, and then we look at Daniel the prophet. So you have the man who is pure in his walk, and then you have the prophet who's speaking forth the Word of God with precise accuracy. And we know that Daniel's for the end times because he was told to seal it up until the end, and then it'll be understood in the end. And here we are, in the end. Listen, you got to pull your chair up, make sure you're taking notes, you might want to Download our free app so you can listen to these studies in their entirety. You can go to our website, calvaryco.church, but you've got to be prepared. Please, please don't treat this series as if it's just another Bible study on Daniel. Open your spiritual eyes, be ready for all that God has for you, and know that it will, it will be a glorious time of your personal growth. Uh, and you will be, like, it's so relevant that we spent the last eight or nine studies in Daniel looking at the, uh, I, ser- we did a sub-series, Understanding the Times, and it will, 
it will stir you to love and good work. So put on your seatbelt, get your pen and notepads out, and be sure to give me feedback. I want to hear from you on anything that we do on Abounding Grace. I want to hear from you personally. You can email me directly through my personal website, edtaylor.org. Make sure it's edtaylor.org. Don't doubt, don't go to edtaylor.com because there is a professional Santa Claus named Ed Taylor that has that name, that domain name. We weren't able to get it, but I was able to get edtaylor.org. Email me and then go ahead and browse the website. I've got, I write a lot. It's, it's a blog, so basically it's a lot of writings on uh, grief, on life, and ministry. And you can connect with me, social media there. You can connect with me uh, via email, of course. So just do it. I'd love to have you on. God bless you guys. All right. So if you're ready, let's get into the message. Here's Pastor Ed once again. Daniel chapter 1 and 2 Peter chapter 3 in a Bible study I've entitled Daniel, a man of purity. Daniel, a man of purity. You know, as we survey our world today and we read the news and we follow all the social media posts, watching the latest events, seeing the times in which we live, you know, it's probably a, one of your conclusions is, is that Jesus Christ could return at any moment. That you're seeing the things in your generation and mine that are culminating toward an end. And I think one of the, one of the tactics of the enemy, one of the, the, the ways that the world lulls us to sleep is we just don't spend time thinking about Jesus' soon return. We, we just don't spend a lot of time on it. The, from the moment that we wake up, you know, there's, this, there's a habit that's been developed in some where the moment you wake up, you're right on your phone, you're checking this and you're doing this and you're sending this, like you're in the midst of communication or social media. You're just, the world has just conditioned us from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep to, to be caught up in the world. Not even, sin, not even necessarily sinfully, just caught up in all the activities of the world, all the information of the world. You kind of feel like you're left out if you don't check something, if you don't see something, or you don't post something. And, and we forget that our lives are not lived for what's temporary. We live for that which is eternal. And our hearts are drawn toward the return of Jesus Christ. And I believe that we are that generation. I believe that we're the generation that will see Jesus. I want to be that generation that sees Jesus. I want to be caught up in the air with him. You see, the promise of his return stands stronger today than it has in any other time in recorded history. Even though every generation has expected Jesus to return, we are closer now than in any other time. And we are seeing not only the fulfillment of biblical prophecy but exactly what Peter wrote, notice with me in 2 Peter chapter 3, it's not only are we seeing prophecy revealed, but we're also seeing what Peter wrote come to pass. As he writes in verse 1 of chapter 3, he says, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, of both which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets. And the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing first. Now listen to what, listen to what he describes. This was 2,000 years ago, what we're reading. I know it's hard to conceive, but consider that our country is only a couple hundred years old. This was written 2,000 years ago, and this is what he says. He says, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. 
For this they willfully forget, Peter says, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with the water. But the heavens and the earth, verse 7, which now exist, are kept in store by the same word, reserved for fire until the day of judgment and the perdition of ungodly men. But you, beloved, don't forget this one thing, that with the Lord a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. And God is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in them will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And, you know, let verse 11 burn in our hearts. Since these things will be dissolved, what manner of people should we be? What is God looking for in our lives? Holy conduct and godliness. He's wanting us to live in such a way in our abiding in him to reflect his character and his nature and not to just dismiss the coming of the Lord. You know, because you'll speak with people about Jesus' return and the excitement that you have and you'll inevitably meet a scoffer or someone that's a mocker or makes fun of the coming of the Lord, and they'll probably say something like, hey, look, I've heard that from my mom. I've heard that from my grandmother. I've heard that, you know, and by the way, he said that 2,000 years ago. And you're like, well, wait a minute. The coming of Jesus is closer now than it was 2,000 years ago. Well, then why is he delayed his coming? He hasn't delayed his coming. The Lord is not slack. You could say Jesus isn't a slacker. He's coming on the exact time that's predicted and that's preserved by God the Father. He's not slack concerning his promise. Don't, don't you feel that way sometimes when you receive a word from the Lord or a promise from the Lord, but it doesn't come to pass right away? There's a temptation to think that God's word isn't true. It tries to undermine that, you know, maybe God's slack toward me. You know, he hasn't worked so fast with me. Inevitably, you know, there's a seasons in our Christian walk where we face trials, and in the early days of our walk with Jesus, our trials seem to have this pattern. Trials have a, a specific beginning, a really short middle, and then they come to an end, and you rejoice. And you go, oh man, that was hard. You know, it could be something going on at work. It could be something going on in your family. It could be just a real personal battle with substance or an attitude or some fleshly habit, and you gain victory over it. But in the early days, it seems like trials, they start, they have a middle, and then they end. But inevitably, at some time in your relationship with Jesus Christ, you will face a trial that has a definite ending and what seems like an indefinite middle. And it just it goes on and it goes on and there's seemingly no resolution. And when you face a trial that doesn't seem to have an ending or it has an ending and it looked really close but then it didn't happen and another year and another year. And actually in some of the events that you face, it's the exact opposite of what you would expect in a resolution in righteousness. And you're just like, oh, you know, these things are teaching you to trust in God and his word, not to undermine his word. 
And all throughout Peter, Peter would know as he's saying, no, you know, God's word is true. He's not slack concerning his promise. He's just not willing that any should perish. And in these last days, a commitment to be men and women of the book is very important. Just want to learn with Daniel. We need to be men and women of a book, not books. We need to be men and women not of the popular voices of our day, the popular television shows of our day, the popular podcasts of our day. We're to be men and women of the book, letting it speak to us, that we're regularly allowing God's word to speak to us, that we're getting direction from his word, but also purity and holiness. It's a choice to be made. God, he dwells in us, and God, he reveals himself as the Holy Spirit. And so in order to live a life of holiness and purity, it is that surrender to the Holy Spirit that's in us, which leads to choices away. You know, a choice, you know, one of the most powerful words that you have in your English language and in other languages is simply the word no. No, I won't go there. No, I won't watch that. No, I won't click that. No, I won't put that address in there. No, I won't make that phone call. No. You say no to temptation and yes to God. It's a very powerful word. It's a powerful word that will bring holiness and purity. We're also to be men and women who live with a sense of urgency to get the gospel out. A sense of urgency to be a vessel, to be used by God to share the good news. I mean, with all that we're reading and seeing and following and just the insanity, I think, of, of the evil that seems to be rampant on the earth, the only hope of our world is a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only hope, that lives are transformed one by one. There, there is no other hope. It's not in a system. It's not in an organization. Our only hope is found in Jesus Christ, and people are only, do, only introduced to Jesus through the gospel, the good news of the gospel. I think also we're to be men and women who occupy ourselves with the work of the kingdom. And please don't misunderstand me. I'm not speaking of doing more things at the church and serving more ways at the church, as good as that may be, but rather the acknowledgement, men and women living, in, living for the kingdom in everyday life, everywhere you are, in every circumstance, with every person. We are the church. And so it's not just behavior that is within the context of our fellowship family, as fun as that is and as rewarding as it is, we are the church. And in the last days, we need to find, as we'll see in Daniel's life, faithfulness where we are. Not complaining where we are, but faithfulness where we are. Because complaining will interrupt. You know, just even if you don't complain out loud, you will, you know, how did you know I was complaining? I don't really say it out loud. Well, the Lord knows you're complaining. So I don't like where I'm at. Well, what, what is that getting you? Just acknowledge it and ask the Lord to make it good. Instead of, man, oh God, I don't like it again. I don't like it again. I don't like it again. It doesn't bring you any closer to the Lord. How about this? You know, Lord, I don't like where I am, but I'm going to embrace it because you have me here and I trust you. It changes your whole perspective to be busy about the kingdom of God. Now, that's where things get exciting because we're gathered together listening to a Bible study by God's design. I mean, think of it this way. You were born on a certain day into a certain family in a certain part of the world so that you will be right where you are by God's plan and design. Like everything that all the entirety of your life, some of it you know and some of it you don't know, has brought you to where you are right now. You're not here by accident. 
You're not in the city by accident. You're not in the apartment by accident. You're not working where, you're by, where you are by You're not unemployed by accident. It's all being used by God. Each part of our life is designed to prepare you for today. Can't change yesterday. Don't have tomorrow. It's just to prepare you for the moment. God, that's where things are exciting. God, what do you want to do in my life? You think, but look, Ed, I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not doing what I really want to do. I can't overcome this. I'll never, no way can happen. And instead of encouraging, great heroes of the faith discourage you because you, can't, you don't think you can be like them. But don't forget, they were men and women just like you. I mean, real men and women with real issues, with real failures, with real difficulties. And we walk in the same pattern of those that have gone before us. They face the same struggles and the same issues of life that you and I did. A different cultural context and time period, sure, but the same thing. Remember when we were looking at Elijah, we, we looked in James and James let us know, he says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Like Elijah. Remember how many times God used him in miraculous ways? Elijah. But he was a man like you, a man like us. And as we study through Daniel in the coming weeks, what made him strong, what made him overcome, what helped him to stand strong, what helped his faith to grow, what helped him to rely and trust in him was his relationship with God. You know, there's an old Sunday school song. I'm not sure if Pastor Michael shares it with the kids, but there's a song about Daniel that goes, dare to be a Daniel and dare to stand alone, dare to have a purpose, dare to make him known. And Daniel's going to be challenging to you. It's, Daniel's going to dare you in areas of your life as we focus on him, as we learn from him. I love studying books of the Bible that focus on a man or a woman. You know, as we're walking along and we can not only see the entirety of what God's doing, but we can see it through a person. The ups, the downs, the left, the right. And the world back then needed Daniel. Daniel was alive and his, Daniel was Daniel because that's what God's will was for his life. The world then needed Daniel's men, and he literally was a young man who would stand for God even in the face of serious persecution. But you know, our world today needs men and women to stand like Daniel, men and women like you and me to stand strong for the things of God, resisting the pressures of this world. Daniel and his friends are a people of prayer and conviction, and you'll see that unfold. He was a man of conviction. And I find that the, the more you stand for biblically-based, God-based, God-led convictions, the stronger you will be in the current of our culture. Not to have your convictions eroded. To be able to stand strong, refusing to compromise their faith. Refusing to compromise by giving in to the ungodly demands of a godless culture. I mean, Daniel lived in a time of out-of-control godlessness. He lived in an empire and had a position that was filled with sin debauchery, arrogance, blasphemy, pleasure. You know, it'd be like Daniel working at the shop, you know, and the music is blaring and the pot's being, um, what do you do with pot? Smoked. <laughs> Smoking pot there in the back and music is blaring and partying and, you know, pornography's all over the shop. And like Daniel would have, he, he would have been right there in the midst of it. Except that in his context, uh, he was taken and kidnapped and brought into debauchery. His whole identity was changed. At least they attempted to change him. And he was faced with, I mean, just like as we see Joseph of old in Genesis, you know, he was, he, the temptations that were before him were extremely attractive to a young man. 
And being isolated from family and friends, being in a place of, you know, one of the most dangerous places you can be is alone. Isolated from the body. Isolated from friends and family. A man that seeks to isolate himself, the Bible says, is not wise. Brings destruction upon himself. It's not a wise thing. And here he is. He didn't really have a choice. He was taken in captivity. And the temptations that he faced, I mean, any young man would have been. Remember, temptation is not a temptation unless it's attractive. You're not tempted by stuff that you're not attracted to. You're, you're not tempted by stuff. Like, yeah, you know, when you're fasting. When you're fasting, even if you don't like McDonald's french fries, you're hungry for them. You can smell them a mile away. Like nobody's tempting you, you know, that when you're fasting, chocolate, you want chocolate. You, you, you know, it's the day that everyone brings, like today was a birthday in the office, so you brought all the bagels and all the cream cheese. Like, you know, when you're, you know, we weren't fasting this week, but if we were, like, oh man, thanks a lot. This is the day. Why couldn't you wait till next week to bring that in? Why is it today? Because you're tempted by stuff you want. Like nobody on a birthday brings in Brussels sprouts. Like why would you do that? Like they'd sit on the counter. Maybe somebody would sneak one away, but that's not a temptation. Or, you know, crusty bread. Hey, happy birthday. Here's a six-week-old green piece of bread. Like that's not tempting. And so when you think of the temptations, they're going to be directly related to you. That's why you can't really sit in judgment on people that have fallen to a temptation. Because, you know, we, whether we realize it or not, can be real self-righteous. And we look at a person and go, well, you know, I would never do that. Which is probably true. It's probably true. But you know why? Because I wasn't a temptation for you. You would probably never do it because you don't like doing that. But I suspect there's something in your life that you like doing that would be rarely tempting to you that wouldn't be tempting to the person that fell. Like, who are we to judge another man's brother, another man's servant, the Bible says in Romans? They stand or fall before their maker. And so Daniel, he's tempted with things that are related to him. As the empire there is, the Babylonian empire is severely persecuting believers. They were wicked. And the only way that he can endure in a wicked society was to rely on God's strength and commit himself to standing strong in the power of God's spirit and the purpose of his conviction if there's something lacking among the body of Christ today, it is a God-centered, spirit-led conviction. And I'm not speaking of a media-based conviction. I'm not speaking of a strong opinion-based conviction. I mean something where God has spoken to you and you are standing strong in that conviction. Nobody can move you. It's not the way you were raised or it's not because you heard it from someone, but God has given you a conviction. And so as we're studying through the book of Daniel, and we'll take a few studies to introduce it to us, you're going to find a couple of things. Number one, you're going to find that Daniel was a man of purity, but he was also a man of prophecy. And it's important that we recognize that Daniel was a man of purity. And so this book will be extremely practical to us and for us as a church family. As we study the life of Daniel and his friends, we'll see commitment, conviction, and courage in standing for their relationship with Jesus or with God in trying times. We'll be inspired, and we'll have lessons on how to live in our world today. But also because Daniel was a prophet, and Jesus refers to Daniel as a prophet, the book is also prophetic. It's a book of prophecy. Really, Daniel is one of the most important books in all the Bible, if not the most important one. Because Daniel, knowing the book of Daniel, is a key that unlocks revelation for us. 
It unlocks all of the end times prophecies for us. Daniel is a book that inspires trust and hope because we meet the God who knows everything and reveals to us the things that we must know. Well, there you have just a taste of what's to come in our study of Daniel. It's going to be a profitable time together in the Word, so don't miss a moment of the journey here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. If you joined us late or would just like to hear this message again, turn to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy by Mark Rogop. Some would describe the year 2020 as one of the darkest seasons of life, but we're not left alone. God is wanting to help and hear from us. You'll discover it's okay to grieve and struggle at such times, but it's important to reach into God's reservoir of grace and mercy. As you read this wonderful book, watch your worship and trust in God grow. Again, we'll send you a copy today when you support the ministry with a gift of $25 or more. Call 877-30-GRACE, and we'll drop that in the mail right away. More about Daniel, a man of purity, tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 